Hey, welcome to the Resolve Podcast, episode number 64. I'm Carly Tizano, a New Year's resolution coach obsessed with all things goal setting, personal development, coaching, and of course, resolutions. One of my biggest goals is to help you reach yours. I'm here to provide the tools, support, and inspiration you need to reach your goals this year and every year and to feel supported every day along the way. Today on the podcast, we are going to be welcoming back my very good friend, Heidi, and I hinted that she would be coming back very soon. You probably didn't think she'd be back this soon, but I'm super excited to have her back on, and we are going to be giving our final goal update of the year to let you know how we did, the progress we made, the things we checked off, maybe some of the things that are still in progress and will be checked off in the future, as well as giving a glimpse into the next year and all that's going to be coming for us. And we'll be wrapping up too, talking about why accountability is so important and significant. And I'm going to be sharing the role that accountability played or didn't play in our successes this year. So without further ado, let's dive right back in. And Heidi, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Carly. (laughs) It's always so fun to have you here. So why don't you go first, share a little bit about this year, what it's been like, your theme of the year and the goals that you set and how you did. Okay. My theme for this year was faithfulness. Mm -hmm. I was really inspired by some quotes and examples of people who just were faithful in the little things day in and day out, which is so much Mm -hmm. of what we're always interested in with habits and goals anyway. And other people, like that's something you really notice about other people when they're faithful. Yes. Very much. So I loved having that as my word for the year. In fact, I almost want to have it for my word of the year next year. Just mm. think about it, but I think I will try to shake things up. So I had a bunch of things that I wanted to wrap up and tidy up or clean up just to like be faithful in areas and not leave like messes behind me as I moved right. across the country. And then the other set of things were all just habits and they were mm. really open-ended habits, which I think was partly key to their success and partly a downfall on some of them. Mm. Which Well, and habits are the perfect example of being faithful because most of the habits we want, they're not just for a certain season of our life. Most of the habits we establish are forever or for the long term. Mm-hmm. And so that's the perfect opportunity to work on that skill of being faithful in implementing and carrying through the habits that we want to have. And I realized that a lot of like bigger goals that I might have, I didn't have the, some bigger goals that I wanted to hit. I couldn't necessarily devote the time to because Mm. of areas of disorganization. Yeah. So some successful stuff this year was I got all of my supplies organized for music teaching and my old speech coaching stuff before I moved went through my memorabilia box, went through my clothes, went through my Instagram feed and just unfollowed businesses or personalities that I wasn't Mm -hmm. interested in anymore. That was my easy win at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Just quick unfollow. I love that Um, one because I'm actually, I'm thinking about that going into this new year. That's something that's been like eating at me being like, I really need to do that. I need to shut off these people that are no longer inspiring or aligned. So I totally agree. That one is so powerful, even if it's an easy win. And it's kind of fun to do at the beginning of the new year. Like you have some lazy days, usually at least one lazy day around like between Christmas and New Year's and just going through and tidying up some of that. And it's a fun reflection point too, I think to be like, where was I? Who was I when I started following this person? And why is it no longer aligned with me now? Mm -hmm. So then there are a bunch of things that I'm really close to finishing. So I'm really close to having apps and files on my computer and also on my phone, like all organized. And I am hovering around inbox zero. on. Wow. I'm really close. I've hit it and I hoped I would get it, but finals week just was not going to allow me to hit that before the podcast, but that will be done for sure by the end of the year. Mm. All of those? All of those. Awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. It'll be nice to start the year with a clean slate. 
Yes. And then I have like my personal files and some storage in my parents at my parents that I'm going to go through over Christmas break. Cause all of that's okay. back on the other side of the U S yeah. fortunately you'll be back on my side very soon. <laughs> <laughs> that will be fantastic. So then switching over to habits, I'm going to start out with the winners and it'll get increasingly mildly depressing. Okay. <laughs> right? so, okay. So my first one was reading. I think this was my fourth year having a Goodreads reading goal. Yeah. And this was the year I blew past it. My goal was 26 again. And I think I'm at like at 37 That's right awesome. now. And I think I'm going to end the year closer to 40 or 45. Awesome. Yeah. It was super fun. Obviously, like having a job where I can listen to audiobooks and going to school and having to read all the time right. definitely helped me reach that goal, obviously. But that was the most fun goal. The other habits were making my bed, which I wanted to become like a daily thing. And I do that almost all the time now without really thinking about it. So yeah. that is nice. It's ingrained. I don't have to think about it. Mm -hmm. And so remember at the end of last year, how you told me I needed to put sleep on my mm. habit list? I was having one, yeah. horrible time sleeping. Okay. Yes. You had to tell me twice before I was like, oh, okay. And I put it on the list. That is something that is so much better now. I mm, think I probably good. regularly get on average over the course of the week, about seven or eight hours a night. Mm. I have some catch up nights usually. So I'm feeling much better being a more rested person. Good. Um, my like sleep schedule is all over the place though. So mm. I'm going to hopefully continue to sort that out. But so sleeping's better, making my bed normally, reading is good. Then there were a few that started out great and I've done it more this year than in previous years. Yeah. So I consider them like a partial win and I'm going to keep working on them. And one is working out. When I moved here and the weather was good all the time, I realized that I actually really like running, which was unexpected to me. Mm. So I was really good at doing, going outside for just quick runs for about the first six weeks of school, but then Florida got hurricanes and the rest yeah. of the semester happened. So I'm going to get back on with those, but I enjoy that. Um, other habits, I had Bible and prayer, practicing German and let's see, and my supplements, I was taking some supplements to help balance out an issue that I had. So all of those are either fairly good right now, or they had really awesome periods during the year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and capitalize on the supplements one. I was doing fantastic until I moved. And then hmm. I don't know what happened. I fell off the wagon and that was probably the most disappointing. So I'm going to really work on that one this coming year, getting back on. It's an easy one to do, but that habit got destroyed by the move. And then I didn't do anything with obeying app limits. Haven't started tracking spending yet. I'm going to do that this month. And also some stretches. I didn't pick them and get into a routine on. Yeah. So hopefully I can get onto a routine with all three of those last ones a little bit before the end of the year. That's yeah, my goal. I love it. But you had great success this year. So of the 22, like how many are you giving yourself like a good solid check mark next to? I'm giving myself a good solid check mark next to like 14. That's like awesome. Mark. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And the rest of them are like still in the works, upcoming, in progress. I think all of those still count too, because it comes back to that principle that we've talked about on the podcast before of it's so much better to have reached the end of the year being like, I took my supplements really good for six months and being like, oh yeah, supplements. I was supposed to be taking those all year. Sure. <laughs> so progress still counts. Progress is progress. And it's cool too, to be able to look at those things and realize, oh yeah, these are still things I want to do. They are still going to fit in with my life. I want to make them fit in with my life. And then to reapproach them for this month or going forward. Yeah. That's a great perspective. Cool. Thanks, man. 
Yes. You are being faithful. I love it. (laughs) And it's interesting too, to think about how the move played a role in helping you really dig into some and shake up others, maybe not always in a good way. So are there any elements of that, that as I assume you probably contemplated this in the months since that contributed to some things becoming really intense and good and some things like fading away when you didn't really want them to? Yes. I thought about that a lot. So I knew going into the move, I'd heard it on some podcast or read it in some book that a move is a really good time to make Mm. habit changes. Yeah. Yeah. And so that really helped me hit some hard. So getting into a workout habit was the one I was least excited about. Mm. I didn't really like the idea of working out. And so I hit that as soon as I moved. And I think that's why it went so well for a while and why I don't really have the level of annoyance at the idea of fitting in and working out during the day. And working out is one of those really powerful habits that makes it easier to do others. Like Mm -hmm. for the most part, you sleep better when you're working out. You are more inclined to eat healthy because you don't work out and then you're like, I want to go through the McDonald's drive-thru. It just gives you more energy in other areas of your life. You get the endorphin rush. So exercising is really one of those habits that if you can get it going, everything else is just a little bit easier. What I didn't expect was how many easy habits that I didn't even think about anymore did become difficult when I moved. Hmm. So there was even a stretch of days or a week or two where like, just like doing my hair in the morning and putting my makeup on felt really chaotic because I was in a new space. I was around different people with different routines. Hmm. I had a new routine. And so obviously I was still going to do my hair every day and it got done, but some things like taking my supplements just completely fell off. And even like going to the grocery store when you move, especially if you've moved somewhere really different and it changes your routine. And for a while you're like having to GPS how to get home from everywhere you go. Yeah. Moving can totally throw a wrench in your plans in your life. And I think that's a Gretchen Rubin idea. I know I've heard her talk about that, about a move being a really good fresh start because The power of that too is you don't have the negative associations with certain places or people or routes when you drive past the McDonald's drive-thru on your way home, like those kinds of things. So it's really cool to see how that has allowed you to use it as a springboard to do more of the things you want to do. So one thing I'm taking away from this year and a piece of advice I would throw out into the universe out there is (laughs) if you're moving capitalize on that fresh start to start some difficult habits, but don't rest on your laurels on the things that are going really well. Like Mm. the supplements never got started because in my mind they were easy and it was something I did now. And so I didn't Mm. give it the time, the same amount. of. No, that's great. And it's true. Like even just transitioning into a new year and focusing on new things, don't use that as an opportunity to cop out or ignore the areas that you have worked so hard on and the successes that you have and the momentum that you have in certain habits, because it is easy to shift our focus and pretend we don't see what's happening behind us as we stop going to the gym or stop eating healthy as because we're all focused on the new thing. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm curious. So like, you're going to be back here for the holidays, then headed back for your next semester. Is there any way that you're going to approach going back to school in a month Are you going to approach that transition any differently than you did this summer based on what you know now? And it's not going to be completely new, like you'll be all moved in and settled and know your routines and your routes and all of that. But is there any different way you're going to approach it next month? Oh, yes. I got about halfway through the semester and I was already thinking, oh, I I cannot wait until next semester (laughs) with the knowledge that I now have. So, yeah, I have a lot of hopes and dreams and ideas and plans for my routines next semester and even just tackling my course load differently and also for moving back home for the month for the Christmas break trying to think of some things that I want to make sure that I do every day Mm. yeah yeah 
I love that. So with that, we will dive into my goals, what my 2022 has looked like. And of course I have shared about plenty of this on the podcast. And as I have not been hesitant to talk about, my word of the year was alignment. And I think I've even mentioned that term a few times throughout this episode already, but it has become really integrated into my vocabulary, which is interesting because at the beginning of the year, I wasn't thinking about it that much. And I even talked about having to make it like a phone background because it was just not something that was front of mind a lot for me, but as time went on and I just had more and more instances of alignment, I it, it's become like obvious everywhere I go, like meeting someone and we talk about a thing. And then the next day, like I have an opportunity to engage in that thing, or I read about something in a book. And then the next day I like find out I'm writing a paper about it or just really random stuff like that. And it's just been so fun to have like examples of that all throughout the year and to get to tell people like Heidi, like you will not believe what just happened. So I totally think that was the perfect and aligned word for this year. And it drove me to separate my goals into two categories, 11 achievements and 11 activities. So we'll start with the activities because those are easier and more fun. So early in the year, like we talked about, I tried cryotherapy and a sensory deprivation tank. Those were fun. I was able to go on a trip with a friend a couple of months ago and we were able to visit Heidi, which was even more fun. I did finish my typing class online. Oh, you! <laughs> All 685 levels. And it got harder towards the end because then you started having to meet these like words per minute typing goals. <laughs> It wasn't like you could do it right and do it slowly. Like you actually had to speed up. Unfortunately, I was able to do that. I'm still not perfect, like casually typing, but I am definitely better. And I'm actually really glad I put this goal on my list because I was thinking about it. And as I look ahead, life in the modern world, that's going to involve probably quite a bit of typing. There's no better time than now for me to figure this out. I'm glad that you ended the year liking it and being glad that you did it and even calling it slightly fun it almost seems slightly like. yeah because <laughs> I know you were winning it as the year right. went on I think I'd only done like 100 levels when we did our check-in in July mm-hmm. so I have done a lot <laughs> yeah then. and I talked to you a couple weeks ago that was our one tiny check-in I yes to you our <laughs> we slipped up a little bit yeah we only talked about that yeah Yeah. Okay. And then start going to the gym again. I did that. And that is the goal that I think has probably surprised me the most, how much I have enjoyed it and how much I've gotten out of it and how easy it was to make it a habit and how irreplaceable it has become. It's just interesting always to see like what those things are that rise to the top. And then originally one of my activities was to see the Northern Lights, but that got switched out for going to a Kraken hockey game, which also rose to the top as one of my favorite activities and led to a hockey obsession. We're going to talk more about that later. I went on a dog sled ride, visited hot springs, tried some faux tattoos, and I still have more that I need to try, but I have tried and used them throughout the year, which is fun. I'm... Right. I can check it off. I'm no more or less inclined to get a tattoo than I was before. So go to the movies once a month with someone I love. I have done 11 months and I haven't gone to my December movie yet, but I have plans to. So I'm excited for that. And it's been fun to engage with other people in things and topics and about actors like that we have common interests in and not all months had good movies. <laughs> no, I was going to ask how that went. I feel like this year was a pretty bad year unless you like horror. Yeah. So there were some good movies that I was excited for. And actually there were a couple months when I went to a re-release. So I saw Jaws this year, which I've never seen, but I saw that in theaters. I'd also never seen the first Avatar. So I saw that in theaters. And then number 11 was to read books I like more. Okay, so this one was the goal that I surprised you with at the end of last year. And I have been thinking a lot about it because obviously it's been something I've been working on all year. And for the most part, this has looked like not reading books or stopping books that I don't like. So I think that I've stopped like between 30 and 35 books that I started. And then I was like, okay, I just, I cannot do this anymore. And I put it down. Only one, I think I went back and finished later because someone else was like, it really is good, keep going. But I was thinking about it and reflecting because- 
I was blogging about the books I read in October and every single one of them, I rated three stars. And I was like, that does not look or sound like someone who is reading books that she likes more. Even if I've only read very few two-star books this year, because normally I've stopped before I kept reading a two-star book. And actually Gretchen Rubin on her podcast in the last couple of weeks was talking about how She's someone who also stops reading books, but that she feels like she needs to stop reading good books so she can read more great books. And I think that is the point where I've reached with this resolution too. I've given myself permission to not read bad books anymore, but I need to like more actively seek out and find and identify like genuinely good books. Cause I go to a bookstore and there are so many good options, but then I get home and I turn to those same books to start reading them. And I'm like, it's okay. So I don't know what the secret is to finding great books, but I'm going to keep working on that, I think. That's interesting. So it's like a two-step thing. Yeah. You did a great job this year stopping reading books you don't like. Yeah. Now it's finding even more good books that I do. So yeah, I'm not entirely sure what that looks like, but I'm going to keep working on it. So I do check this one off because I am reading books I like more, but more as in more of the books that I like instead of books that I like more, if that makes makes sense. You told me a few times throughout the year how much more you were enjoying reading because you had stopped reading books that you don't like. Right, because you lose so much momentum when you're reading a book that you don't care about. Yeah, I think that's true. And I have not read very many physical books. Audiobooks is my preferred means anyway, but also just with all the reading I've done for school this year, like hundreds of pages, I just could not sit down and read another book for fun. That was the last thing I want to do. So I just, I let that be okay. I didn't have to sit down and read very many books. There's one that I really want to finish before the end of the year. But other than that, like, I'm just letting it be what it is. And audiobooks was the means by which I did most of my reading this year. And I love that. So why would I do anything different? Totally counts. Yeah. Okay. Now moving on to my achievements. So number one was to graduate grad school. I am two weeks away technically from the end of school and I have only about a week's worth of homework left. So I am super hopeful that this week I will be done with my homework, get an extra week of break slash the rest of my life, unless I go back to school again, who knows? So I'm super excited. I can't like technically put the check mark next to that one, but I will be very soon, no doubt in my mind. The second one is to publish my book, which will also be getting a check mark and we're gonna be talking about that on the podcast very soon. So tune in for that too. That's gonna be a fun conversation. Use all my gift cards. So this was one... <laughs> I knew was overly ambitious when I started. And when I said use all my gift cards, I don't really think I meant all my gift cards, like every single one. How many do you have? (sighs) Like dozens. Okay, three inches? Yes. When I started the year, it was probably three inches. So now it's probably half of that. So I have done good. And food gift cards and like activity, like movie theater gift cards, I've used... It's like the store gift cards. I just have not gone out shopping that much this year. And I don't want to just waste them. Be like, I'm at the store, so I have to buy something now with this gift card. I have some of those I still need to use and I'm okay with that. So I have started the process rolling though. I've gotten past that mental block. You cannot spend gift cards. You have to save them for some arbitrary reason. Get a puffer coat. I did that. Get a robot vacuum. I did that. I ended up doing it right after our last conversation. There was one on a super great sale. And I was like, why would I vacuum for the next six months until Black Friday if I could just get this and not have to vacuum for six months? So I did that. I'm glad I did. Get new shoes inspired by our conversation six months ago. Yeah. When you were like, come on, you have got to get on that. Just throw away your old shoes. And I haven't been as good about that. I still have some shoes I need to toss, but I have gotten new shoes and I have replaced all the ones that I was like, I need new black flats and black boots and black rain boots to fill in those gaps of the ones that were like falling apart in those categories. Get to an eight minute mile. I shared a couple of weeks ago back in episode 61 about that journey, what it was like. And when I recorded that episode, I actually had not reached it. But since then I have 
reached and ran an eight minute mile. I actually far surpassed it, which was so odd. Like after the whole year of being like, oh, I still have to do that 50 pushups at one time. I did that. Get TSA pre-check. Did that. That was my easy win at the beginning of the year. Watch Frazier. I did that. And I watched Ted Lasso right after we recorded our goal update. And I loved it like so much more than I thought I would. So my skepticism was clearly not well-founded and I'm still waiting for season three, but I enjoyed that one. And that was it. That was my 22 goals. So most of them I have checked off. I have a couple that are still in process. Most I hope will be done by the end of the year. Like the gift card one will be a little bit more ongoing, but I'm okay with, and yeah, I'm excited. It has been a big year, but it has been an exciting year. So that's where we're at. Go you. Oh, it was so fun to actually hear your final. I know. I know. So coming back to hockey, my obsession, which has fueled like everything. I've been reading a bunch of hockey books. And so I read this one about hockey coaches and the author had such an interesting perspective because he tracked down these hockey coaches who won and a few who lost like these really big instrumental games in their careers. And he watched the game with them, rewatched it. And the coaches just talked about what it was like to be in that game and like what it was like to coach the team to that win and some of the context and like what that game meant within the context of their larger career. So it was super interesting. And I think the intent of the book was like to yield more advice generally for life. I didn't think it really did that, but there was one coach who was talking a bit about accountability and they said that moving from friends to teammates is where accountability comes in because when you were teammates you can be candid without consequences and so i was thinking about that because i think that's true there is a certain vulnerability to friendship of there are lines you don't want to cross because it's a special relationship and you don't want to hurt it and when you're teammates you are working together and you can't be teammates and friends like you can totally have both of those relationships, but they are distinct. And when you're teammates, you're working together in pursuit of a common goal. And so I think there is a certain amount of shared drive and ambition that goes along with that as you are like all collectively moving forward together. And so within the context of that relationship, then you can be candid and be like, you are not showing up the way that you need to. And it doesn't have the same consequences that it does if you said that to someone who's just your friend, like living their own life. Because if you both are on a team, then if someone's not showing up the way they need to, then it's impacting the other teammates. So it's like a requirement for them to tell you need to show up better. Is that kind of the idea? I think that's the idea. And there's just also that idea of we are all in pursuit of this same interest. Mm -hmm. And so I want you to be your best, not just for you and not just for me, but for all of us. And so at first I was like a little skeptical about that comment, but it really stuck with me. And I was like, I want to talk about that on the podcast because I think that the conclusion that I came to is that accountability is auxiliary to friendship. So like you can have a friendship, but bringing accountability is like an auxiliary relationship or an auxiliary facet of the relationship that you can bring on. And so that's something that I think we have. And being accountable in this way is we're not fighting for the Olympic gold medal. So we're not teammates in that way, but accountability allows me to be on your team as you pursue the things that you want to. And it allows you to be on my team as I work towards the things that matter to me. And it gives you just a shared base of understanding, a shared momentum, and just like all of the other facets that come along with accountability. So I'm curious, like what your thoughts are on that? So many thoughts. First of all, I think that like with us, like we're good friends and we both love the fact that we're each other's like accountability partners like mm-hmm. that. So I don't think it's dangerous for a friend no. to be accountability no. partner. Like it almost sounded like his quote was, but I think that there are certain friendships and certain like goal types of goals in life that you can turn 
of friendship a little bit into being like teammates, which is a lot of fun. And I think there is a danger. Like, I don't think all friends could be accountability partners. I think mm-hmm. that in some cases that could be destructive or harmful. And I think that our friendship, like we, we approach life similarly. We mm-hmm. have some similar goals. We have similar like values. Right. And so that works out really well for our friendship. Yeah. So I ultimately agree with his point about accountability being an additional aspect to a relationship with someone. Mm-hmm. And so when you have it and you can get one that works, like that is great. And that's the power of it. But I also think that there's a point too, it's not something that you can or want to force into all relationships and to appreciate other relationships for what they are and to seek it out in the ones that will accommodate it really well. Yeah, I think that's really wise. And that also goes into like family because sometimes Mm -hmm. there are certain family relationships that you can have a good accountability type relationship with. Like for me, that's my mom. Mm -hmm. But that wouldn't really work as well with my siblings because my siblings and my friendship is just different. We don't end up talking about a lot of our habits that way. We have other things that we bond over. Right. And in some relationships like sibling or friendship or otherwise, it could turn into some kind of competition or there could just be like bad blood there. Or you like dread talking to the person because, you know, they're going to ask you about how that thing is going and you haven't done anything with it. So there is like a lot of iffy areas in accountability that can be tenuous. But that's also why I liked that idea of teammates and viewing it as separate, because then you're like, I'm not just being your friend here because I am, but I'm also being your teammate and I'm on your team as you work towards this thing. But I can encourage you in a way because I'm on your team that I couldn't maybe if I was like solely stuck in this friend realm. And that's what makes accountability so exciting because you're like, we're on the race of life and we're trying to encourage each other as we progress. Yeah. And to bring coaching into it, coaches coach teams. So there's another (laughs) facet there of that whole idea. Okay. But another thing I know about accountability is that the consistency of accountability is really important. So in a normal year, you and I would have a conversation like this at the end of the year as we're reflecting, anticipating the next year. I was actually flipping through old photos recently and I found one that you posted about being at my house a couple years ago for a goal setting session. And we had Taylor Swift on in the background and my Christmas tree was up and we were talking about our goals. And I was like, oh, that sounds so fun. Then from that point, we go on through the year and pretty frequently we would text about our goals or when we did something or that we needed to get started on something. And then at least mid-year, we would normally follow up. And then I think particularly the last quarter, October onward, we would probably have more frequent check-ins to be asking how we're doing, what progress we're making, where we still need to pick up the pace a little bit maybe. And so this year, because we had the podcast, we missed out, I think, on a lot of accountability conversations. And we had to stop ourselves pretty frequently because even like whenever we would hang out, normally this kind of stuff would come up where we would talk about what we're doing, what we're working on. And so since we wanted to save those conversations as much as possible for the podcast, I know we'd be like, okay, I can't tell you anymore, or we have to stop there, or I wish I could tell you how this was going. And I think that we haven't been able to be as accountable this year as a result. And it has been like that a little bit to not be able to converse on these things all year or to provide each other like the support accountability. What do you think? Yeah, I missed it. I think it was like a different form of accountability. It was like we're trying out a different tack, but I really missed rejoicing with you over Mm. your progress on different things Mm. and just getting to be like more of a front row seat on your journey through the year. And then I know for me, I also missed like the reminders and the Mm. troubleshooting conversations because sometimes all it takes is like 30 seconds of someone being like, why haven't you started that yet? And me being like, good question. And then I would start it. So I think that I'm looking forward to having more frequent conversations next year. Agreed. Even like you were texting me and I was going to bed in my time zone the other night and you were still texting me and I was like, what is Heidi doing up? But then I was like, maybe sleep wasn't one of her goals. I don't even remember. How sad is that? I know. So next year, yes, I agree. We're going to be 
talking all throughout the year about all of the things, but okay. From that perspective, can you share a little bit about what you're thinking for next year? Give us a glimpse into your goals, but also what it is like for you to be in this time of the year as you're reflecting and celebrating success and also contemplating the things for next year. Have you started collecting ideas months ago? What does all of that look like? Good question. So I think maybe about like late October, especially as we get closer to Thanksgiving, I start having fun ideas of what I could put mm-hmm. next year. So I just, they just start coming to me. So I open up a note in my uh-huh. note on my phone and I just start to make a list. So mm-hmm. by about right now, I have a weird list of maybe like 20 things that aren't all going to make the official list, but mm-hmm. I'm just writing down everything I think of. And then when I prepare for like actually sitting down and making the list, I like to reflect on why some things went well and why some things did not go well meeting this year's goals and then carry over any goals that maybe I didn't get to hit into next year, but also just take what I've learned from my assessment of this year and apply it to how I'm going to shape my goals for next year. Mm. So for example, this year, as I looked over what went really well, I thought a lot about my reading goal. Mm. My reading goal was really hard to meet four years ago, but now it's really easy. I'm almost wondering if I need to even put a reading goal on my list for next year, if I even want to. And so I was reminded of a quote I'd heard from somebody and they said, we have a tendency to overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in five years. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. Four years ago, my goal was to be a reader again. And Mm. that is going to have taken place over about four-ish years or whatever. One of the reasons I think that reading goal went so well is because it was a numerical goal. Mm. It wasn't something like I was trying to read 15 minutes every day or read a book, like two books a month or something like that. I wanted to hit 26. So when I hit December, if I was still like five books behind, I could pick five short books and right. I could still shove that in there and still meet the goal. And then each year it got a little bit easier to meet the numerical goal. So I'm thinking that this year, as I approach some habits, I'm going to try and hit a numerical goal for some things and see mm. how that shapes up. Yeah. Yeah. So for example, one thing I'd like to do next year is to try and run like 150 or 180 miles. And that could be really easy. I don't even have to be running every day to hit that goal. So it could be a really easy goal if I was thinking about it in terms of every everyday habits. But it's a number that if I get sick for a couple of weeks or I completely fall off for a month or something like that, it's still something that I can try and hit. And it would be um, much easier for me to do that. Mm. I'm going to try that. And instead of like, just an open-ended goal to read my Bible more, I'm going to try and read through the New Testament twice. Mm. So we'll see how that goes. What do you think? I think that's so cool. It's like we had talked about the tally idea. So it's like the tally idea, but instead of doing it like for a month, it's like the entire scale of a year. And I can even think like for the supplements, if you were like, I'm going to buy two bottles of these supplements and I'm going to take all of them this year. And of course you're not going to take 30 in a day at the end of the year (laughs) to do it, but it would still give you like, this is how much I'm expecting of myself this year. And to be able to visually monitor your progress as you do that and to be like, okay, this bottle's still full. That's a good reminder (laughs) to get back into this. And I think you could apply it in a lot of different ways. So I'm really intrigued by that. I'm excited to try it for Mm. a few other ones too. Yeah. Do you have a theme for next year? So I mentioned earlier, I still love the concept of faithfulness, Mm -hmm. but I'm thinking about maybe a word like courage, Mm. unsafe, or uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm, I was 
thinking about a lot of things that I avoid because they make me feel really uncomfortable and they could hmm. be things that I think are important or that I would ideally like to do more. Yeah, simple things would be like going for a run. I would be like, that sounds uncomfortable and I don't want to do that today. Right. But and you'd be like, that fits the bill. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to move towards hmm. that instead of moving away from it or just some other things that I might be more like socially anxious about. And I would have a tendency to try and avoid that. Yeah. But I'd like to move toward that. So I'd like to become more involved with like my church this next year. One random goal I've put on the list, I think it's going to make the list for the year is to go like swing dancing or something like hmm. that a few times, because that sounds miserable to me, even though I think it'll actually probably be pretty fun. So I'd like to just push myself to do something that feels a great book that talks a little bit about that. Did you ever read Laura Vanderkam's Off the Clock? No, I own it though. Yeah, I love that one. That's a really good one. And she talks about effortful fun that you have to put so much effort in to do the things that you want to do. And she talks about the experiencing self versus the remembering self. And I think she maybe even talks about the anticipatory self, or maybe she has a different term for that. But I find those ideas so helpful because even today, like I was out doing a fun winter activity and it was so much more fun than I expected. But I was reminded you have to put effort into doing things to have fun. And so when you think about discomfort, it may be uncomfortable in the moment, but oftentimes that's the kind of thing that your remembering self is like, oh yeah, remember when I put myself out there and I went to that swing dancing thing? That was actually really fun. Or that's where I met that really cool person or anything else. Not that you should put yourself in situations that are actually unsafe, but a lot of times I was even studying in school recently about like how we have a biological predisposition to just see so much fear and have so much anxiety because of the way that humans are. But there just is so few things in the world that we experience on a regular basis that put us in situations where that level of fear response is really required. And even the things that probably are the most dangerous, like driving our car, we just, most of us don't have that kind of a fear response for anyway. So a lot of times it's being brought on by these things like going swing dancing that would probably be really fun, but our anxiety and our fear is like, let's direct it at that <laughs> when it's just keeping us from doing the things that we want to do. Something that's that's new, something you haven't experienced yeah. a lot. And so one way to build confidence and just get out there and yeah, experience things is just to go out there and experience things. So is that kind of the end goal that you hope to reach through all of that to go out and experience new things and to be courageous and to put yourself out there? Is that the end goal of having goals like that? I think the end goal is to not feel like my nervousness about certain things is stopping me. Yeah, it's like you can build up something in your mind and then try and beat some anxiety by doing things that like seem really dangerous. And then I will learn from it. Oh, I did this thing and it wasn't actually scary. Mm. It's like the same thing in a way is at the root of like procrastination. Like the reason right. we procrastinate is because we're avoiding the feelings of doing something uncomfortable that we might be nervous about. So Another thing on my list is to try and finish a paper like a week early because mm. I live off of that procrastinating anxiety to get stuff done. So I think it's like that same principle of overcoming that. Is that like a one-time goal? I would like to make a habit of finishing a paper early, but a week okay. early sounds really dramatic to me right now. Okay. So I'm going to try for a week early right now, and then maybe I can make a habit of ending a couple days early or a week Okay. Early. I like it. Sounds like I'll have to read the Laura Vanderkam book. So what are your 
thoughts on this next year? What's your word? My word was brought on by a conversation I had with my mother this last summer. So I give her full credit for bringing this to my attention. It has been a year that has been very heavily work focused. That's not super evident through my goals other than being in grad school and getting my book out there because I did make an effort to include a lot of other things in other areas of my life on my goal list. But I have spent a lot of time on work and work related things this last year. And so this summer, my mom kind of sat me down and she was like, I don't think you have any fun in your life. What are the things that you do that are fun? And of course, I was like, I have fun in my life. I have fun living my life. I enjoy the work that I do and producing this podcast. And not that it's not work and not that it's not a lot of work, but I do these things on some level because I enjoy them. And as a result of the conversation, came to the realization that enjoying my life is not necessarily the exact same thing as fun. And so... As I go into a new year and there's a bunch of different possibilities and things I'm going to consider and pursue, and I'm not entirely sure what a lot of those are going to be, I'm still going to create a 23 for 23 list, but my word and theme of the year is going to be fun. And so a lot slash most, maybe all of the things on my 23 for 23 list are going to come back to that idea of fun. So like, I want to go to a game with all of the Seattle sports teams over the course of the year. I think that would be really fun. I'm going to go to the Taylor Swift concert next year. I want to upgrade my wardrobe, which is something that we talked about on the podcast this year. And I actually have an interesting structure to my list too, where I've started to, I haven't fully decided this is how I'm going to do it. But I have some of the 23 for 23 things are things that I'm going to do once. Some of them are things I'm going to do once a month. And some of them are things I'm going to do once a week um, and then once a day. So I'm not entirely sure that's a format that I'll stick with or that really has any consequence, but it has helped me to see, okay, there is a good amount of things that I just need to check off, but there are some things that I want to integrate into daily or weekly habits, which is interesting. And then this year I actually really enjoyed because I had my 22 for 22 list. And then over the course of the year, some other things came up that were Big enough that I was like, they deserve a spot on my 22 for 22 list, but it was already full. So I ended up creating a secondary 22 for 22 list, which I've also almost completed. And so that was really fun. So I think I might do that this year too, to be like, I don't know where this year is going to lead, but I will have the 23 things I want to do. And then I will have a 23 for 23 list that I create as the year goes on. And that's something we had talked about at the end of last year too, being like, we don't know what's coming in 2022. Maybe we'll just build the list as it goes on. And I think we're both glad we didn't do that. But since I got to experiment with it a little bit, it was really fun. So I think I might stick with that too. But all that to say... This morning, actually, I was talking to my dad and we were talking about all of the possibilities for next year and who knows what's going to happen. And he's like, but it's okay because you can just have fun with the process and see where it leads. And I was like, aha, there's alignment. How fun can come up even in that conversation. So I think that's true that I just want to approach next year for fun, to have fun, to do things that are fun, to seek it out, even if it is like something that requires active planning and putting the effort in, but also just to make the daily things and the work things and everything else of that aspect in my life more fun too, or to find the fun in it. So that is going to be my focus for next year. I love it. I love that for you. I know you do enjoy your life, but I think that having some fun this next year after this very big, busy year for you will be perfect. And I can't wait to see all of your things. I like that you have it like on a daily, weekly Mm monthly, yearly basis, because it's like you're introducing fun at all the levels. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the once a month things is like to go on an adventure every month. This year going to cryotherapy or the sensory deprivation tank, like those are things that I would consider an adventure, quote unquote. So I don't know what all 12 of those will be, but I felt like once a week is too much. (laughs) I don't know if I could plan 52 fun (laughs) adventures. Other than like today, the adventure is going to Barnes & Noble, which I'm always on board to do that. But I was like, once a month, one thing that's out of the ordinary in our area, there's enough cool things that I can find. So that is one that's in the month range that will allow me to integrate fun on a larger scale, do something I haven't before. Yeah, so I'm 
excited. It should be a fun year. <laughs> I also love that what you did is you built a to-do list of 22 mm. things that you hadn't planned on doing this year and you did as the year went on. Right. And I love that you did that. I think to-do lists are my favorite to look back on usually mm -hmm. because they're the things I didn't plan on. Right. And sometimes they were the most difficult or the most rewarding, or they were just like a really neat surprise. So there's so much fun to build and then to keep so that as years go on, you can look back and be like, oh, look what God had planned this year. Look what right. happened randomly. Yeah. Yeah. So that was an unexpected thing. I decided there were other fun things. <laughs> fun things that were a lot of work that I wanted to do. And I was like, they need to be commemorated. And even just having them on that other list, maybe be like, oh yes, I'm still working on that. I will do that too. So yeah, I think having them. Work. Right. So like you gave yourself a pat on the back. Cause you're like, I did this as well. Right. Yeah. 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 So that was another tactic because for some people, I think that way of setting resolutions somewhat retroactively, we're being like, I feel like doing this this month. So I'm going to put it on the list and it will get done, but it's July and I'm deciding I'm going to do it anyway. I can totally see how for some people that approach is going to work best. And there's no right or wrong way, whether you're setting goals for the day, the week, the month, the year, or you're breaking down your yearly goals into those chunks or into two different categories like both of us did this year. There's so many fun and unique ways I think that you can approach resolutions and goal setting and all of it. And that is the fun and the joy in resolutions. I think that to-do lists help you be more spontaneous too, because sometimes mm. at the beginning of the year, there might be something that I know I'd like to do over the course of the next three years or something like mm. that, but I'm not sure if it's the year for it. So I don't right. want to put it on my list and it just be something that's totally unrealistic. Yeah. Being able to do something spontaneous and still get credit for us, like really plannery people who like to get our gold stars. Yeah. I think it's just fun. Right. Because I, some of the stuff you're like, why would I do that if, I'm not, if it doesn't matter? If I don't get to check it off. Yeah. So I totally agree. And I hadn't really conceptualized it as a to-do list because a lot of the stuff like I wrote down because I was going to do it and I hadn't done it yet. But I think that's what it is because it's the to-do of the unplanned stuff that happened this year or that I made happen this year. So I think that is really cool. So to-do list and to-do list. I will be working on probably both of those this coming year. Okay, why don't you share what you were reading to wrap up this episode? I'm excited to hear more for school or are you on to other stuff? <laughs> for school, I'm finishing up a church history textbook under the oh. glorious, glamorous name of Church History One. Real fun. <laughs> so much fun. It's, yeah, it's interesting, but yeah, that's a textbook. For fun, I am looking forward to getting back to Middlemarch by George mm -hmm. Eliot. I'm going to try and read that more over break. I had started it. Why are you laughing? Just fun and middle March to me do not go in the same sentence, but I can totally respect that for you it does. <laughs> uh, I was inspired to read this book because of a quote I had heard hmm. somewhere, and it had to do with faithfulness. For the growing good of the world is partly dependent on unhistoric acts, and that things are not so ill with you and me as they might have been is half owing to the number who lived faithfully a hidden life and rest in unvisited tombs. Hmm. And I just think it's beautiful. It's one of my favorite quotes. So I had to get the book. I had to start it. And yeah. I'm looking forward to continuing reading it. That is really cool. That's a great quote. I love that. Okay. And then what do you want to toast? I want to toast my housemates and my professors. Hmm. They're examples to me of people who live a very faithful, habit-filled life and they're inspiring examples or they're nice to live around and have rub off on me in the case of my mm. housemates. I think you said this a couple years ago in a conversation to me and it's stuck with me ever since that you'd read that you become like the five most people that you spend yeah. most time with. Is it five? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, just really appreciating 
seeing those people and getting rubbed off on. No, it's true. And I've thought about that within a couple of different contexts, both like the actual physical people used by the most time around and even like the podcasters that you listen to the most Mm. or the authors that you consume their content the most, because I think that those people too have incredible amounts of influence on us. And it is so interesting to evaluate those around you in that way of who am I allowing into that sacred space of the people who influence me. It's that idea of growth through osmosis, which we talked about back in episode 31 of both other people are constantly learning from us and how blessed we are when people are like willing to put up with us and our interests as we like share random stuff about hockey because they don't really care. But also those people who like develop a new interest in something fascinating and share it with you or just the way that they live their faithful lives and being able to have that influence you subliminally and in a more practical level or way that you can recognize and understand as we strive to become like those people and to recognize when the people in our lives or the influences we've allowed in aren't aligned with that, even down to who we're following on Instagram when they're exhibiting actions or attitudes or behaviors that we don't want to emulate in our lives, be willing to be like, no, I'm going to either reduce the influence that you have so you're not in that core group, or maybe it's time to move on entirely. But then (laughs) the next step, like, who is going to fill that gap? So yeah, I love that idea. I think it's fascinating. And it's a great way to analyze our lives now and whether or not they're what we want them to be. And if not, like what needs to change? And so I'm super honored that anyone who listens to this podcast, not that I'm in their top five most influential people, but that they would let me come into that sphere and share with them and be in their earbuds. And you too, with me. <laughs> I'm glad you're one of my five, Carly. Oh, <laughs> thank you. I'm glad you're one of my five too. <laughs> Okay. Thank you, Heidi, once again for returning to the podcast. Our listeners may or may not be hearing from you again soon, but they'll have to wait and stay tuned for that. But it was so fun to have you come on and share at the very beginning of the year, back in episode 16, and then again in episode 42 about your goals and what got us to this point. So if they missed any of those conversations, that will give a little bit more insight into what we talked about today and lay the foundation of like why accountability and why you need ongoing accountability. But I think what we talked about today is an important aspect of that conversation too, about the dangers and pitfalls of accountability and the very distinct role that it exhibits in our lives. Because life is always a learning process. So try different things and shake it up and you learn more. And I really did love the approach that we took this year, even as I look forward to chatting with you a lot more next year. It was a fun new approach. Absolutely. And whether you commit to anything as a resolution, like it's only a year, January to December, and then you move on or you keep going, but it's totally up to you. And now you have so much more knowledge and experience to build off of as you continue to move forward. So yet another aspect of the power of resolutions. (laughs) Thank you, Carly. (laughs) Yes. And thank you, Heidi. So I encourage you to resolve to reflect on your resolutions for this year. If you have an accountability partner, check in with them, discuss what you have succeeded in, give yourself the check marks and the toasts that you deserve, and also begin to contemplate what is going to lie ahead for you next year. What can you take from what you learned this year? What worked, what didn't work, and how can you apply that to everything that lies ahead? And with that, thanks for tuning in to the Resolve Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Carly Tisano. I would love to connect with you. Don't forget to rate and review. It really helps other people find the show. And subscribe if you haven't already so that you don't miss another great episode next week. For the show notes or additional support in reaching your goals, check out carlytisano.com. Until next time, here's to all that lies ahead.